The Ready, Set, Grow podcast is sponsored by Ag Expert, software designed for Canadian agriculture. Visit them today at agexpert.ca. Welcome to the Ready, Set, Grow podcast. My name is David Wilson, and I'm uh, guest hosting today for an interview with uh, Parliamentary Secretary Kate Young, MP for London North Centre. And along with us as well, we have uh, Peter Fragiscatos, MP for London North Centre. Did I get those right? The, yes. The writings and everything? <laughs> All right. Got the so, writings right, yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Um, we're primarily here today because of the announcement um, that FedDev made of a, a significant investment here in southwestern Ontario with uh, Western Fair and the RH Accelerator and a bunch of other partners as well. So uh, first of all, I want to say thanks on behalf of London and Region for helping to get that uh, done here for the community. Uh, we, we certainly are really excited to see what's going to happen in the region. So thanks. Great to be with you, David. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, thank you for the invitation. We'd like to start with just a little bit about you know background and bios. So I'm going to ask um, Kate first. But uh, first question is, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. What was your role before becoming an MP? Well, uh, thank you very much, David. Um, I um, I'm coming to uh, politics a little later in life, so I had a career in uh, the media for over 30 years. So I was in radio for uh, 10 years, and then went over to television for over 20. And, uh, and was the uh, anchor of the six o'clock news on what is now CTV. Uh, we went through a lot of different names when I was there, but uh, yeah, it was a great, great career. But uh, at, one, at one point I decided, you know, I just wanted to be out in the community more. I uh, really enjoyed that part of my role in television. So I, I moved on to public relations and I was there with the Thames Valley School Board and TD Bank. And it was at that point that uh, I decided to get into politics and, uh, and ran for the nomination of the London West Liberal Writing Association, uh, won it. This was uh, back in 2014 when uh, the Liberal Party was in third place. And that's when I met Peter and we started talking about the possibility of both of us uh, going to Ottawa. And sure enough, it uh, it happened. And uh, so I've been a member of parliament since 2015, re-elected last year and uh, serving under uh, unusual circumstances with COVID. Uh, it really has uh, made things a little more challenging in different ways, uh, but, uh, but thoroughly enjoying it and uh, really very much uh, committed to the community, uh, London, of course, and Southwestern Ontario. And just uh, thrilled to, to uh, be representing the constituents of London West and also have, an, uh, have the opportunity to be a parliamentary secretary uh, over the years. So it's, uh, it's, been, uh, it's been really uh, quite something and uh, uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of work, but uh, a lot of good work. So yes, it's, uh, it's coming at uh, politics uh, kind of through the back door, but uh, you know everybody comes to politics in different ways. Absolutely, it's one of the great things about it. Um, Peter, same question over to you. What were you uh, up to before you started? Sure. So I I was born in London, David. I spent the first part of my life in the city. My father then bought a business when I was about seven or eight years old in a place you know very well here on County. Uh, I know you have a background. Uh, you grew up in Goderich. I grew up just outside mm -hmm. of Exeter. 
so I, I have those uh, roots as well. It was actually quite uh, apropos to this conversation. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, agri-food and its potential, among other things. Well, Huron County is uh, obviously known for uh, really good agriculture, great farmland up there, and uh, wonderful work ethic uh, by the people who are stewards of the land uh, and have been for uh, for a long time. The farming community there is uh, is very strong and continues to be. So uh, I bring that element to uh, to the job of uh, being an MP, uh, recognizing the importance of rural and in, in things that we do as policymakers. Uh, look, I we are everything that we've come across in our life. Uh, all the all the people we've met, the experiences that we've had. I've been fortunate enough to do some things before politics. I taught for a number of years at, uh, at Western University, wrote in the media as well, uh, have a PhD in uh, international relations from Cambridge University, and that uh, informs my perspective too, always interested not just in the domestic, but in the international as well, whether it's matters of international trade or um, international conflict and what Canada can do on, on that front, worked on those issues over the years as an MP and uh, now serve on the Federal Finance Committee as well, where we've had a, an important role in responding to COVID-19 by uh, recommending and, and offering insight on the various program design, or various policy design, I should say, with respect to the emergency programs that have been introduced. So, um, you know, that gives you uh, some background there, David, but, um, you know, uh, all MPs, come at this job from a variety of different experiences. It was the case that the vast, vast majority uh, of MPs at one time were, were lawyers. Nothing against lawyers. They, you know, they have a, they've made great MPs. Uh, talking about legislation and all the minutia relating to that, a law background serves well. But Kate will tell you, we have people in our caucus who have served as engineers, uh, journalists, obviously. Uh, someone in my background, uh, academia and, and teaching and um, working as a media commentator. And there's lots of other uh, examples in our caucus, people from the arts, from the sciences, from you name it. It, it makes for a better uh, a, a better parliament, frankly, one that's more well-rounded. So that's uh, that gives you an idea of my background, I think. Well, and I think Kate may have answered this, but I'll give you the opportunity as well. Like what really drew you into politics? And I'll uh, throw it over to Peter first, maybe this time. What drew you into politics, Peter? Well, I've always believed that politics is where you, where change happens. And uh, thinking about back in 2015, the country, uh, you know, was relatively speaking, um, we were doing well, but could do much better. Uh, particularly concerned about the hollowing out of the middle class. Uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, then leader of the, the Liberal Party, Justin Trudeau. Uh, put uh, put forward a number of ideas uh, on that specific challenge, and I was taken, uh, you know, quite taken with the ideas that were being advanced. I thought that a number of the ideas that uh, that he was talking about would serve the southwestern Ontario region quite well, David. Uh, and uh, you know, this is where we make change. As I said, uh, politics is about people. It's about service. It's about giving back. I've always I was instilled with those values growing up. My uh, grandmother was a union organizer, uh, organized for the NDP. Uh, she was still happy to see me run for the Liberals. Uh, my dad, a small business owner, probably a small C conservative, but again, has now come around to being a liberal. 
Uh, and yeah, politics was always something that I, you know, it was discussed around the table. Living in that kind of environment, maybe it wasn't a big surprise that I looked to be, uh, ended up becoming an MP. So that gives you, uh, I think that says it. Thank you, Kate. I'll give you the, the chance to answer the question as well. Well, um, you know, I was, uh, because I was in the media for uh, so many years, I, of course, uh, couldn't uh, align with any type of political party and uh, and was quite happy um, to do that and, and to just uh, watch from the background. But then after I'd been out of the media for a number of years and I was getting increasingly frustrated with what was happening in the country and, you know, you can only uh, yell at your TV so often, I realized uh, that maybe I should do something and uh, not always think that someone else should uh, should put their name forward why not me? And I think that's, uh, that's something that I'm trying to uh, tell uh, women in general uh, to, to really consider politics as a career. I, I think uh, for the most part, women don't. And I've heard that women have to be asked seven times to get into politics uh, as opposed to one time for a man. I'm not sure that's really true, but I think it, it states the obvious is that uh, for, for the most part, women don't think that they have uh, whatever it takes to be a, a good politician. And, uh, and we um, decided as a liberal uh, party that we were going to do politics differently. And I think uh, it's, it's key to um, getting more women involved in politics. And, uh, and so we continue, uh, we've just reached 100 women in the uh, House of Commons. And uh, out of 338, we've still got a long way to go. Uh, but uh, it's, uh, we are uh, doing uh, the most we can. And, and I'm so glad to, to serve as a woman. And I encourage other women uh, to do as well, because it is uh, quite a, uh, an interesting line of work. And you get to know so many interesting people. I can say I've um, talked to numerous different people about trying to encourage them to go for politics. And my experience has been the guys have been like, yeah, I could totally do that. <laughs> Whereas the women need a little bit more nudging maybe. Um, and so, yeah, definitely uh, I would encourage and echo uh, if you know of a strong woman leader that you want to run for politics, know that seven people have to ask her, so you may as well be one. And if you know a strong male, I guess based on that statistic, you only have to ask once, but spread, spread the love around. Um, so I want to give, uh, you know, we're here to talk about like, um, food and agriculture in our region, and the recent announcement of FedDev investing 7.2 million to expand um, here in London, primarily at the Western Fair, but also like you know regionally. Um, I wanted to ask Kate, uh, you know, why why is this announcement important for your government? Um, why is this initiative so important for the region? Well, I think this particular announcement is uh, really uh, important because it's agriculture. And I think for too many years, we have kind of uh, put that to the side as far as uh, where we focus uh, what London is all about and what the London region is all about. And we have talked um, about the manufacturing industry. Uh, uh, there's, uh, you know, we in London, business was always big. Health was always uh, uh, an area that we were very proud of. 
And yet over the years, I think we uh, kind of put the agriculture sector aside and uh, didn't give it the love that it needed. And I'm, that's why I was so pleased that the Western Fair Association, along with so many different partners, including uh, uh, Roundhouse, of course, our traction, and uh, we have the London Economic Development Corporation, Fanshawe and Western, the list goes on, uh, that uh, have become a part of this uh, $7.2 million uh, grant given out by the FedDev Ontario. And certainly it really speaks to the future of uh, building an agriculture sector in London. And not that we didn't have one before, I think that we just weren't uh, paying it uh, as much attention as it needed to. And I think this is really a stepping stone to much bigger things for the agri sector. And I'm hoping that uh, it will just be the start of seeing some really amazing uh, ideas and innovation in this sector start because uh, we, we know that there are some wonderful ideas out there and we're here as a government to support them. And so this is just one way that uh, we were able to uh, push the needle and, and make sure that uh, the agri sector realize that uh, our federal government was taking it very seriously. That's great, thanks. Um, and then Peter, I'm gonna ask you, why is this the right place for the federal government to make the, the, uh, this type of investment? And if you had anything else to add on to what Kate had to say there. Sure, uh, well, whether Londoners realize it or not, David, we are very well positioned. In fact, we have a head start. Uh, now you might, uh, considered an odd statement, seeing as though London is, is such a large city, but just go a bit outside of London. We're surrounded by some of the best farmland in the country, period. And that is that has uh, made us, uh, it advantages us so uh, so well compared to other regions. This It just makes sense, uh, making agri-food a, a key focus. And we're seeing pivots in this direction. Uh, very important ones that we've seen over the past few years include Dr. Oker, uh, the cakery as well. You have, of course, Maple Leaf. When it's all said and done, 1,600 people will be working there. Uh, it, uh, it speaks to the potential of this region finally being realized. Uh, but those are, those are uh, larger operations. We also have, if we're going to talk about uh, harnessing the... Uh, uh, the power of agri-food and agriculture more generally, then let's look to helping small-scale uh, business owners as well, who uh, I think can really benefit under the model that's being championed here. Uh, the incubator model uh, does very well uh, with projects like this. I think it's a nice way to create partnerships between organizations like yours, for example, uh, and, uh, and producers, and, and those with the business ideas in between. Uh, we also need to think about how to best diversify our economy. Naturally, every community is always thinking about how to do that. And we've seen very important pivots in recent years in London, moving beyond the traditional approach to manufacturing to more advanced forms of manufacturing, to uh, high tech, to um, uh, you have health innovation and health research. Uh, health has always been important, as, as Kate talked about before, but the innovation side is fast developing. The, uh, the, the research side and, and monetizing that, uh, that potential, that is ongoing, and we can do a lot more on those fronts too. But here you have, um, you know, a project like this speaks to the enormous value of agri-food in, 
in the Southwest and in the London region specifically. Like I said, we've got a head start compared to other regions. So why not take advantage of that? It just, it, it made complete sense. I really like um, the combination of, I mean, I'm biased. I think there's a tech focus here that's happening in the city, obviously. Um, but people need technology, people need to eat, and people need healthcare. So I think if we can really focus on, on those three sectors of innovation, we're in good shape. Because no matter what pandemic hits, if the grocery stores are open, right? People, of course. people are gonna, the hospitals are open. People need healthcare, yeah. people need medicine. And again, I think the fact that we're doing this interview on Zoom shows that people need technology. So. Um, those three three legs are uh, some really cool pillars to be building on. I made a comment, David, uh, in the House of Commons just last week. Uh, I was doing what we call an SO31. It's a, uh, about a minute uh, opportunity for uh, members of Parliament to uh, talk about something that's happening in their community. And so I wanted to talk about uh, uh, the Grove. And and I said, you know, we hear of uh, London being the forest city, but I think we maybe should change that to the food city, uh, that we uh, we might uh, gain, gain more traction that way. Not that we don't want more trees. We do. And we will get them. <laughs> we, we love our trees and we love our food. And to be honest, yes. if you had to make, well, I guess breathing is kind of important. I was going to say, I probably choose the food over the trees if you maybe pick one, but breathing and food, I don't know. <laughs> There's a debate to be had there. Yeah. Um, look at you know, look at the. Uh, sorry, David. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Cut you off there. I was going to say, look at the versatility of of the agriculture sector. I mean, I think most Canadians, particularly in urban environments, will hear the word agriculture and picture a farmer, and and not much beyond that. But here, as you've said, uh, there's a tech element involved. Then there's uh, entrepreneurship that we are talking about. Uh, if we want to talk about economic sustainability going forward in the future. We have to talk about diversification. It opens the door, uh, uh, agri-food opens the door to London on that front as well. And of course, when we look to uh, investments like this, uh, it lends itself to a, a wider discussion about not just food, but also the beverage sector in London. Uh, you know, the, the story about uh, the beer sector in, in London is, is far reaching. We can go way back. We are the home to Labatt. Uh, and many other uh, examples in the past, but Labatt is the, the best known. Um, it's doing very well. Uh, obviously, uh, there's an agriculture element involved in beer, and we have a, a thriving craft beer sector that's developed in recent years to the point where London, for its size, is doing very well, punching well above its weight in the, uh, in the overall craft beer sector. So there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of dots here uh, that uh, are starting to be connected in a way that is creating a narrative that opens the door to real future possibilities from an economic perspective that I think are tremendously exciting. So yeah, I, I, there's a lot, of, a lot of good things happening in this space. Yeah, you mentioned my other passion project besides food is uh, sampling some of the local breweries yeah, I'm also a big fan of Blackfly beverages. They're based here in London, and oh yeah, they're, uh, they're uh, what is it? The uh, sour raspberry is dangerously good. So yeah, they, they know what they're there. doing. Yeah, yeah there's, they've become a uh, they're on the Christmas list every year. Let's put it, it that way. For good reason. Too easy to uh, consume a few of those. All right, moving on. Uh, so one of the things, you know, this, I think, unique to the Canadian ecosystem, and if people are listening, either that are outside of the Canadian um, startup community or out of, outside of even Canada, 
this. Um, the Canadian government actually does a lot of early stage investment in the, the both the startup community and in um, early innovation. So I'm going to throw this question over to Kate, but um, why do you think it's so important for the government um, to, to lead and to go first in some of these investments to help to help sort of start something? Mm -hmm. What's the government's role in that? Well, the government's role is uh, in many areas because we know that startups need uh, some support just to get going. And, and certainly there are so many ideas out there that if we as a government weren't supportive of these uh, startups, then who's going to be? Because we know it's tough to get uh, that uh, seed money from from banks and and uh, just from uh, just going out into your own network of people. But if there are good ideas, then we want to hear about it. And so we're trying to come up with as many different programs as possible so uh, people can uh, access the government funds. And I'm thinking of the Women Entrepreneurship Fund, and we've just started a Black uh, uh, Entrepreneurship Fund. We need to make sure that, uh, that they're catered to different audiences. And it's so important that uh, that we get them before someone else does because they will move out of this country. And that's what our big concern is. And I think we've all heard those stories about people who had that great idea but couldn't get anyone to listen and uh, then turn around and it's it started in a business in the United States or another European country. Uh, we can't let that happen anymore we need to be able to support these businesses and and think as a government outside the box i know that's a overused phrase but it's too easy to just uh to uh always um, decide to support businesses that you know will be successful you have to be willing to take a risk and we have to be willing to be behind them when it comes to science and research, that was one of the things uh, when I actually was parliamentary secretary to science that really uh, made me realize the great work that we're doing as a government is because we did want to uh, invest in uh, science that was not going to elicit results anytime soon. Uh, a lot of these ideas take a long time, but you have to be willing to invest in them for the long haul, and and hope that uh, we will uh, it, they will be productive. But some won't. But at least you're uh, getting out there and making sure that uh, that people know that you're you're as a government supportive and you want to help them be successful. So I mean, it, it, there are so many different avenues for small business for entrepreneurs. Uh, I think uh, our government has has done uh, amazingly well in trying to uh, give seed funding out. And uh, certainly, you know, we haven't talked about COVID, but that has has meant that so many uh, people are in need. And so we've come uh, forward with a lot of different programs. Uh, but uh, what we're really worried about now is that some of these great ideas will get lost. And so we have to make sure that uh, that we're keeping our ears and eyes open uh, and uh, looking for potential and making sure that uh, that ideas and, and uh, entrepreneurs uh, know that we're supportive and continue to be even during these difficult times. 
I know you guys have a, a tight schedule of hard stop coming up. So I, I like to kind of uh, wrap up my interviews with a question of, is there anything I should have asked you about, but didn't? Uh, you're you're uh, highly respected in the community for good reason, uh, David. You, you know what you're talking about. Uh, I, I think you touched all the bases. Um, actually, it's not really anything you missed, but I would be interested to hear from you uh, where you see this really interesting and for the time being, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it appears to be a unique partnership between the tech sector and the agri-food sector. Uh, you know, where do you see that uh, relationship going uh, from a business perspective? You know, how can we uh, strengthen that even more in Canada so that we see uh, you know, economic gains, I think, particularly as we confront uh, the pandemic and, and beyond the pandemic, I think there's a lot of uh, good things happening here. But what else can we what else can we do as uh, as a federal government from your uh, from your perspective on this? Well, it's always more money, but <laughs> right. it, it, in, um, also so usually at the top of the list, you, you won't be surprised. No, I, I, I'm not shocked at all. Um, I think what's great about this experiment is you have um government money of private money of public sector uh, or nonprofit, you know ngos kind of coming in and really supporting this initiative and i do think it takes a cross uh, cross-sector collaboration to make this work um for those that you know, know me my my background in pillar uh, nonprofit network where they were all about trying to bring um, the three different pillars of our community together and I think that's that's what's at, at play here with the Grove um, and Western Fair and RH Accelerator and LEDC and all those folks being um, it's like what can we each bring to the table um, and then leveraging those dollars so that they can go out to the community more um, and specifically with my RHA hat on um, one of the things that we know and problem the sort of wicked problem that we're working on with the RHA is the the death valley of funding that exists in the Canadian ecosystem so there's a lot of um, early stage startup funds that are available to get a business off the ground um, in tech you can usually find the first 40 or fifty thousand dollars in different programs through OC or, or other organizations like that um, but then there's nothing really available until you're looking for two or three million dollars worth of funding which means you have a ten million dollar you know, evaluation company. Um, that's a lot of growth to go from, you know, seed capital of 50,000 to being worth $10 million as a company. And I think a lot of companies die in the vine here in our system. Um, the owners get starved out or the funders get starved out or you run out of what we call the friends, family and fools money uh, for early stage investment. So really, I think the um, Western Fair Grove is a really unique opportunity to figure out ways to um, do that like earlier stage funding. So, you know, $150,000, $200,000 um, funding is a gap that's massive in our community. And I'm, I'm really excited to kind of see what we can do uh, as an ecosystem to, to, you know, bridge the gap between early stage. And then there are mechanisms, for, you know, there's angel networks, there's VC funds. Um, you can start going down Silicon Valley if you get to a certain point, um, look for funding in the States. But uh, yeah, there's that, that gap. So I'm really excited to see. I think this is a unique experiment, a relatively unique experiment in, in this type of collaboration. And um, I'm hoping to see some really exciting results out of it. Right. That answered your question. Or yeah, it answered it. Uh, <laughs> I've now become the interviewer, but yeah, uh, it, it answered it uh, completely, David. Thank you. That um, I think it uh, it puts everything uh, together and, and gives us uh, more to think about as we approach, as I said, um, ideas or putting ideas on the table that will deal with the the pandemic and, and its aftermath from an economic vantage point. 
-hmm. And then, Kate, anything you'd like to add? No, I, I just uh, agree with Peter. I think uh, we need to hear from you, and, and it's important for us to hear uh, as you go through this uh, with the Grove, uh, the, you, what you've learned, so yeah. it can help us um, uh, better uh, uh, help other uh, startups and other groups, hubs, and that type of thing. So uh, I'll, I'll be really interested in, in hearing, uh, I'd say a year from now, how you're doing and, and mm -hmm. what you think you've learned from this process. Absolutely. It's part of the, the process. And you, know, you both know I have uh, no shortage of sharing my opinions. <laughs> Being on <laughs> both like. the good, good and the bad side of those opinions, I think, at different times. So all um, good. Did want to wrap up and say uh, thanks so much, uh, Parliamentary Secretary Kate Young and MP, MP Peter Frederick I keep wanting to throw that extra hey, P in there, but that's a different. MPPs are pretty cool game. too. Uh, I, I love uh, Peggy and Teresa and Terrence, so it's all yeah. it's all good. They're, they're yeah. great. They're great folks. So and Jeff um, too. I love Jeff out. They're, they're all great. We're we're actually really blessed um, with our local representation here in, in London. Um, there's not a single bad MP or MPP uh, that I know of. So thank you for being part of that group, and uh, really thank you for taking the time. And uh, that'll conclude the interview. Thanks so much. Thanks, Thanks so much, David.